Yes, good morning and welcome to Motor Mania. I'm Damien Reed, Ed Mubarak. I hope you're enjoying a long weekend this weekend. The clouds are around. It's beautiful to have a little bit of overcast weather for a change. But uh, if it is raining, just be careful out there on the roads. Uh, many of you are probably driving out of town now as a result of this uh, this long weekend. So we're going to be keeping you company all the way through until noon because we are the only interactive car show on UAE Radio. We give you motoring advice. We talk about what's happening in the car world and we let you have a voice on road safety issue. So here's what's coming up. We're going to uh, talk to a, a, a Dubai resident who, get this, he drove from, from Dubai to France in his Golf GTI to get some parts, to get some upgrades. Call him crazy, but I'm sure he's got his reasons. And uh, talking of upgrades, well, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit self-indulgent because I've been restoring my own car for the last, I don't know, 20-something years, uh, the 1969 Alfa Romeo GDV. And after, since 2005, we finally got it started this week and running around. It's a family affair. I've had a bit of help from the brothers and the nephews and the whole lot. So we're going to uh, indulge a little bit, and we'll talk about that a little bit later on, and uh, share your your experience as well. If you're uh, restoring a classic car and your trials and tribulations, would love to hear from that. Now, here's some news at the other end of the spectrum, at the uh, new car end of the spectrum. Now, Europe, big news that came, that's just come out of Europe in the last 24 hours. They want all cars to be equipped with speed limiting technology. Now, that means, that's right, even if you want to, you won't be able to speed or you'll be, it'll be very, very difficult at the least. Is this something that we need here in the UAE? I'd love to know what you've been, uh, what your thoughts about that one. Do we need speed limiters? Are we responsible enough on our own? And now I've also been driving a new car this week, the uh, the new Lincoln Aviator. It's uh, it's a mid-size SUV, luxury SUV that think of BMW X5, Audi Q7 kind of uh, kind of territory, and uh, and that's what we're talking about. So we'll be into we'll be into that one a little later on the show. We'll discuss that and other news stories with my fellow motoring journalists, Imta Shanjato and Noel Ebden, who are going to join us in the studio a little later on. And of course, we'll also be answering all your questions, not to uh, not to brag about uh, about our combined knowledge of all things on wheels, but uh, we're, that's what we're here for, and uh, we'll be happy to take those calls. But right now, it's time for fix it or flip it. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. How does it work? It's easy. We need uh, details about your car. We need the make. We need the model. We need the year, the colour, the mileage, any pieces of history, any bits of trivia, anything that might help you um, add value to that car, let us know. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And, uh, but I'm not doing it alone. I'm joined this week by a very special guest in the studio and it is Imad Hamad of Car Switch. Good morning, Imad. Eid Mubarak. Morning, everybody. Eid Mubarak. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much. How have you? How have you? How have you been? What's What's your plans for Eid after After today? I'm heading on a plane tomorrow. So just <laughs> just got into the studio <laughs> the day before, but looking forward to a week off. Fantastic, yeah, and, and uh, well, for those of us who are staying around, I tell you what, I've actually been enjoying this uh, overcast weather. Haven't seen any rain yet myself, but just a bit of bit of cloud. Totally keeps... agree. I mean, yesterday actually wasn't as hot as you would think it would be. Yeah, yeah. It's still it's, pretty hot, but <laughs> it's, it's all relative. Yeah. Now, tell us, um, firstly, how's, how's, what's, what's been going on in the world of car switch lately? Well, we uh, launched our KSA operation about 11 months ago. So we're, our heads down, we just actually closed our Series B. So uh, pushing on expansion like crazy. So we're expecting around September to really do a big push. Um, the car market is as you would expect it. New cars are still in, in scarce supply. It's uh, buoying the used car market. Summer is always a slow period, so there's a bit of a dip. 
Um, but we're expecting August, September, things will come around. Uh, it'll become, again, a good time to sell your car if you're selling. If you're buying, I think now is a good time because there's always that supply-demand gap uh, right mm. in summer. I was going to say, this, from from your perspective, the state of the secondhand car market now, there's still a sto- there's still obviously a shortage of, of new cars, yep. and you can see that in showrooms around, around the district. Uh, but does that mean that we're still seeing uh, prices of used cars rising? They are. Uh, so I think generally on the new car supply side, it, it won't be resolved for some time because let's keep in mind that for the last two years, there's been a supply shortage. So mm-hmm. it'll take a couple of years just to wash out um, pent up demand uh, for that. Right. And whenever there's limited supply, prices go up. And as new car prices go up, used car pricing will follow. So mm-hmm. there, certainly used car prices have gone up and I think they'll remain up for some time. Uh, in terms of just the particular dynamics, specifically in the UAE, uh, it's, it's a large expat population. People travel in summer. I think a ton of people probably yeah. that you know are yeah. out just starting next <laughs> week. So there's just fewer buyers around, mm. um, which is uh, you know pushing prices a little bit lower right now. But I think on the whole, uh, prices are higher than what they used to be, yeah. for, certainly. So it's, so it's tougher to, to negotiate and get a better deal. It's a matter of now just saying, I like the car, it's available, I need to get it. Yeah, and I think it really varies depending on the type of car that you're looking at. Certainly for newer models, because those more likely compete with the new vehicles, it really is about, I want this car, and there's only you know one or two available, so yeah. if I want it, I need to buy it. Yeah. If you're looking at older cars, I think the dynamics are a bit different, right? So if you're talking you know, 2015, 2014, 2010, 11, um, the the new car comparison was never relevant in the first place, right? There yeah, that's are five, right. <laughs> 10-year-old cars. So I think there, uh, even from a pricing perspective, it hasn't changed as much. Uh, the real pressure and what you read in the news and what you hear about from your friends is usually around these newer cars, right? Two, three-year-old yeah. uh, vehicles. Yeah. So, so it's a good time to sell. Um, what about for people who want to buy? I mean, it's, it, being a seller's market, that makes it trickier for buyers. Um, where does that leave? Where does that leave the buyer for uh, you know for, for for getting what they want when they want? Is it a matter of of holding out uh, for for what they want, getting something now, and maybe trading that later on for their for their dream car? Look, to be honest, once you get into speculation, you can never win, right? When's yeah. the right time to get into real estate? When's yeah. the right time to get into that next stock? Who knows? I think on car prices, it, I I don't imagine. Uh, things swinging dramatically anytime soon. Mm. I think if you need to buy a car, you need to buy a car. You should just go ahead and do it. Um, the good news is if you do sell it in the, the near term, you'll probably also be selling it at a higher price. Yeah. Um, and, it's a, and I think the real estate market will probably move faster, especially with rising interest rates, than the car market. So I wouldn't be overly worried, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, right. Well, let's. Um, we've got some values coming in. A few people have texted in asking for uh, for some values on their cars. Now, um, uh, Sherwin has uh, texted. In. He's got a BMW M4, uh, 2015 model. Beautiful, Beautiful car. car. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Gotcha. Uh, 150,000 kilometers on it. Now he's asking. See, he wants to know firstly what is the value um, roughly, and should he sell it now or just keep the car? Now he points out that the engine was replaced by BMW at the 70,000 kilometer mark, um, and it's Marina Blue, which is also nice. It's a beautiful car. Look, the M4s are tricky, right? Because yeah. the demand for these types of cars is is uh, 
more specific. Uh, and these are high per end performance vehicles. So always get people nervous, particularly when they're at a high mileage mark. Yeah. I think the engine being replaced, frankly, does not give a strong vote of confidence. Now, mm -hmm. I appreciate that it happened at the agency, which is great. But nonetheless, it's a bit of a flag, right? The engine needed to be replaced at 70,000 kilometers. Yeah. Doesn't yeah, give a ton right. of comfort. So I think from a value perspective on paper, like if I look at our valuator analytics, et cetera, you're looking at something in the 90 to 110,000 dirham mark. Yep. Having said that, this really is a very specific demand, right? So yeah, it's yeah. about finding that right buyer, I think will be the trickier mark here rather than the actual value that you're going to try to sell it for. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, another one, uh, Mohammed has a, a car that's uh, that's a, a popular one here. He's got a 2016 uh, Toyota Fortuna. It's the VXR model, and uh, it's got about 147,000 kilometers. Now, the Fortuna is the car that was, it, it's, it's below the Land Cruiser, right? And it's below the Prado, but it's still... It's still a it's a it's a budget priced off roader with yeah, the, with the Toyota a, name and it's a super practical car. I also notice he has the VXR, which is the top end version. Yeah. So you're getting you know the the bells and whistles that come with a Fortuner. I think it's a great car. Uh, Toyota's super popular uh, for the 2016 model. You know it's about six years old now. I think it would probably go for somewhere in the seventy thousand dirham range. Something yeah. therein. Yeah, that's yeah. at least where I would start. And again, like. Um, all Toyota off-roaders is demand. Yeah, yeah. You know? no, Toyota, it doesn't get more popular than to Toyota. Right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and likewise, too, another one that's, that's come through, and this one is, uh, it, again, it's a popular one. We get it every every week, week in, week out, Mitsubishi, uh, whether it be the Pajero, but in this case, it's the Outlander. Uh, no name on this from, from this text, but um, uh, it's a 2016 model. He says V4. Now, they don't make a V4, so it's, uh, I'm guessing, I'm going I'm to, it's either a four-cylinder or a V6. I'm going on a hunch and saying it's a V6. Yeah. Um, 121,000 kilometers, and uh, yeah, um, and it's, it's, it's the Outlander, which is a derivative of the Pajero yeah. family. And you know, the Pajero is actually the most popular model car in the UAE, which surprised me. I always thought it'd be, you know, maybe the Land Cruiser or whatever. Yeah. But if you just look at the numbers, uh, the highest market share for an individual model is a Pajero. The Outlander, my wife has a Pajero and I like, I think it's a super practical car, but the Outlander is a bit more comfortable, not comfortable, but let's say more feature packed, I feel. Yeah. A little more modern in terms of look and feel. Um, there are two different versions of the Outlander um, from our valuations for the 2016. I think for the lower end model, it's probably around 35,000 dirhams. There's quite a mm. spread on these. On the higher end model, uh, you're looking at maybe 40, 45K. Okay. Okay. 44. So, That's still a pretty good value Yeah. for, you know, for, for what you're getting. As you say, um, yeah, but I, I'm actually not surprised that with Pajero being the number one vehicle, it's just seemed to be the go-to SUV for a lot of expats when they first land. Like, going, yeah. I want a vehicle. I want to get out there. Yeah. And look, if you want a seven seater, uh, the options are not that broad. Yeah. And frankly, from the affordability perspective, the Pajero nails it. And it's a super reliable, cheap to maintain service relatively uh, car. So I think all, all in all, maybe not the prettiest car, but yeah. it certainly gets you there and it gets you there in one piece. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Well, the texts are still coming through. So uh, stick around. We've got uh, a lot more carrying on with, uh, with, with Motor Mania. And we'll be back with Imad Hamad, the founder of Car Switch. Fix it or flip it.
Yep, this is the, uh, the the only station where we can give you all the value on your car, or if you perhaps you're looking for something, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth, and this is how it works. Please send us as much information as you can. The make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage, or if you have any questions about buying or selling uh, any used car at all, uh, send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play-Up. And uh, myself and uh, Imad Hamad, the founder of CarSwitch, who's in the studio this morning, will do our best to sort this one out and uh, and help you. Now, we've just got um, uh, a text that came in off a, um, something that we teased off the top of the program about speed limiters, and we're going to discuss this in the second hour of the show. Ed has, uh, has commented saying that um, we should align the speed limiters to the radar and double the fines for speeding also mandate safety features like distance following that's an interesting one um the I doubling think, speed fines doesn't <laughs> doesn't sit too well they're pretty high man <laughs> I, I i think that's going to be uh we, we've lit the touch paper i <laughs> i think people are going to be checking that but that's uh that's a uh, uh we're going to be talking about that in the second hour because it's just uh new laws that came in overnight in uh in europe um, that from 2024, there'll be uh, speed limiters on cars. So, uh, yeah, an interesting one. Uh, right. So let's get uh, let's get into the uh, valuations just before the break um, where we were going through some valuations. Now, we've got here, um, John has a car. I'll tell you what, this is an underrated car. really is. It's a VW Passat CC. It's a 2011 model. He's done 175,000 kilometres. It's good condition, and uh, he's, he's looking to sell it. Um, the CC is the is the coupe version, the four door coupe version of the Passat. So yep. it's it's the it's, it's the, the yeah. sleek shape with the pillarless doors. Yeah, um, I actually really rate them as a sleeper. It's just a car that people haven't noticed. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Volkswagen, I think, generally have uh, pretty solid cars. I mean, it's uh, the German engineering really yeah. comes out. It's a, it's a great car. Yeah, and the V6 as well. It's it's actually very quick. I know yeah. somebody who owned one, uh, put a nice exhaust kit on it, freed freed up a little uh, a few a few uh, horsepower out of it that way, <laughs> shall we say? Um, and I tell you what, it's a sleeper. It was a quick is a quick little car. It sounded amazing. That V6 engine, beautiful. Um, so yeah, so John's got one here, 2011 model. It's got 21, um, 175,000 kilometers. What what do you think roughly we'd be looking for that? So there's, um, to be honest with you, two things working against it, right? As a, most German cars, right? When they get uh, quite older and with high mileage, a lot of buyers get concerned around ongoing maintenance cost. Yeah. I think in this market, probably uh, 20,000 dirhams, maybe a bit less, to be honest. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it. That's the thing. They haven't really hung on to their value as well as the other Volkswagen. So like if you look at the Golf, obviously, the Golf is the hero model. Super popular, right? But I think let's keep in mind also it's an 11, 12-year-old car, right? Yeah. And you generally yeah. find in the UAE these older cars um, are not on the road as often. They often actually get exported because they're worth more in other markets than they are here. Yeah. Uh, and that's why it, it does get very tricky to sell, I think, much older cars from a value perspective. You can absolutely sell them. There's still demand for them. Uh, but you'll, there's quite a bit of competition on the price there. Yeah. And also, too, the Volkswagen now, with the exception of the Golf, has become pretty much an SUV company. It's, yeah. it's The Golf yeah. is the only non-SUV they sell now. So selling a Passat, yeah, it might. As time goes on, it It'll might get tricky. a little bit trickier. No, I agree. Um, I tell you, one car that's never tricky to sell or buy is a Porsche 911. <laughs> they just they just go every day. Uh, Imad has uh, has texted in. Um, he has a uh, a Porsche Carrera S 911 2017 model. It's white and um, white exterior with a red interior, which is a car 
a spec that should sell all day long. It, it, it <laughs> is the UAE spec. It's, it is, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? The- uh, 29,000 kilometres on on this and a full service history plus warranty. What what do you think you'd be able to – could you could you pick your value with the that car? The 911 is so difficult to price because it's one of those cars that when you find the buyer that wants it, it'll pay whatever you want. I think especially if you have 29,000 kilometres and an ongoing warranty from Porsche, which you can extend up to nine years. And it yeah. sounds like this gentleman does have that. So I think you have a keeper. I wouldn't sell it, but if you had to sell it, uh, it's really hard to tell on price. Uh, my, I'd venture 180 to 220,000. And the okay. reason it's such a broad range is it really, this is a tricky one to sell. It takes yeah. a while. Um, but, you know, when you do get the right buyer, especially with the specs uh, that this gentleman has, I think it, it would, if you're looking for a 911, it sounds like a great pick. Yeah. Right. Twenty nine thousand yeah. kilometers warranty service. You got well. Actually, there's no service from Porsche. But if it was maybe he meant agency. It's got maintained. full service history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his, so, history. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, no, it's a safe uh, bet if that's the car that you yeah, want. Yeah. So right? that that means he's got the the book stamped by Alma yeah. Buda, which adds to the value massively. A hundred percent. And anyways, you can't have the warranty unless it's serviced there. So I guess it would True. make sense. Yeah. Yeah. If you want us to value your car, the make, the model, the year, the color, the mileage, of course, uh, you can text us on four double zero one or access us via the ARN player. But we do love to have a chat. So uh, that's the number, 04871 Now, Mark has also texted in. He's got a car that I know a little bit about. He's got a Maserati 3200 GT. It's a 1997 model. Now, that's the model with the boomerang taillights. Yeah, you're going to need to jump in on this one. We're not, <laughs> so a car surgery of a cutoff at 2010. Right. <laughs> this, this has zoomed by. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, it's it, now he says it's low mileage, sixty-seven thousand kilometers. It's a manual, which is super rare because most of those got uh, the Maseratis came with the uh, uh, the the automatic uh, auto, uh, paddle shift, yeah, automatic, um, which was they called the Cambry Corsia on that one, um, and uh, it's a European spec, perfect condition. The pl- now he says something that an insider would know: plastic switches have been restored. That's a little thing. The plastic switches, you, especially in this heat, they get gummy and mm. uh, and and you, you leave your thumbprint in them. Um, I owned a model a couple of years newer than that one, and uh, yeah, let's just say it was an interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so so my, I might jump in on this one. Maserati thirty two hundred GT, nineteen ninety seven spec, sixty seven thousand kilometers. Um, to, 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 as a manual, very very hard. Even though it's an enthusiast car, still a pretty hard car to, to shift. And and it wouldn't be surprised if that would be on the market for for even twelve months or more, because very few came in. Yeah, it's a classic. I mean, you're not. Uh, it's not it, like you said. These are not straightforward to shift. You need to find yeah. the lover. Yeah, you, <laughs> the you, you lover need, will pick it up. You need but. someone who knows who who wants exactly. that specific car, um, and also too servicing costs you've got to be careful and it's not just on the Maserati but but this genre of European cars um, servicing costs can quite often very after one or two service match what you've just paid for it oh wow so in that regard I'd, I'd be putting a value on this mark of around about uh, 45 to 55,000 dirhams on on that based yeah. on my experience <laughs> thereabouts um, but also be aware for the buyer, that you could be looking at a service charge. If you take it to like Altair to the official service area, you can be looking at uh, at, at, at a walk-in price of six thousand dirhams, maybe up to thirteen, fifteen thousand dirhams for. So you really gotta love this car to pick it up because it's all Ferrari prices. Yeah. So it's Ferrari components, and and you'll find a lot of Ferrari badged uh, items going into the car, and it carries that uh, 
shall we say, premium price (laughs) for having the prancing horse. Um, So, yes, but enjoy. It is a lovely car, though. It's 400 horsepower, um, and it's uh, it's, it's a stunning car to drive, but you've got to like the car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now, another one, uh, Dr. Mataza has texted in, and he has uh, a 2015 BMW X6M, full options, 192,000 kilometers, uh, of course, it's turbocharged. It's twin turbocharged. Uh, the X6M, yeah, this is the sporting version of the BMW uh, BMW uh, X6. Very, very quick car. Um, not really a car to take off road, but yeah. a delightful car if you want to go. If you want to enjoy, in fact, I just recently had the X5M as a test car. If you want a car, you can still get your your kicks of a fun car, but you've got a family with you. Preferably wait till they're asleep. And, <laughs> and hopefully but, don't but, have your kicks while they're in the car. <laughs> it's a quick car. What, what, roughly what kind of value would you could you be looking at for for an X6? It was a very specialized car. Yeah. So I, look, the the 50i is for the 2015 is probably around 100,000 dirhams, uh, maybe 90, 90, 100. This is the M, so it's going to yeah. carry a premium. And I think, by the way, often uh, unfortunately, folks make the miscategorization of having an M kit and calling it an M, yeah. which isn't really the same thing and won't carry the same. Pro- so it, let's assume in this case, it's an actual M. Uh, I'd say maybe a 20, 30 K premium on that. So perhaps 120 to 130 K. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That'd be my guess. That's that's not too bad. Yeah. Uh, another text come in. It's a VW Scirocco R. Uh, 2012 model grey. It's got 165,000 kilometres, and a major service has been done recently on this one. No name on this one. Um, yeah, the Scirocco as a car has been a again another sleeper Volkswagen. Yeah, it's Golf underpinnings, but in that sort of three door coupe hatch style body, which I love. Yeah, and a different look altogether. Yeah, yeah, um, and it stayed around for quite a long time in that same body shape. So, uh, I mean, I. I, I drove one a couple of years ago. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, but the value, again, the value drops pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think it's a similar commentary that we had on the CC. Uh, you know, it is a German car. It has uh, high mileage, arguably. Yeah. Um, and not high mileage for its age, but just in absolute terms. Uh, you're, you're across the 150K mark. Yeah. Uh, I would say for this car, some, somewhere in the maybe 20, 25,000 dirham range. Yeah, exactly. I was my, thinking 25s yeah. round about, thereabouts. Yeah. So yeah, I hope that one helps. We'll be back with Imad Hamad, the founder of Car Switch, to tell you whether to fix or flip your car. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, I'm Damien Reed. You're listening to Motormania. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth and uh, what we need. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Any questions you might have about buying or selling used cars at all, send them through to us on uh, 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And myself and uh, the founder of Car Switch, uh, Imad Hamad, will do our best to help you with this one. some text messages coming through and a uh, nice one. Thank you. Uh, this one, a little bit off script here, but I do enjoy your Formula One commentary, especially the effort you guys put to explain each aspect of the race so that uh, whoever is new to the sport can understand and appreciate the sport. No name on that, but thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And I'm going straight off this show back into the TV studio because we've got uh, the Austrian Grand Prix kit this weekend and we're going straight into uh, – practice this afternoon then we've got the sprint which is a 24 lap race that will determine the grid for tomorrow's 71 lapper and austria and judging by yesterday 
Oh, sorry, I'm going a little bit off script here. Um, it's, it's interesting because the two Mercedes of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, big accidents yesterday. They're in a bit of trouble at the moment. But the Orange Army, the Max Verstappen fans are out in force. Uh, so thank you for, the, for that one, um, allowing me to talk about my other life <laughs> a little <laughs> briefly. Mercedes has been in trouble, I think, quite a bit this, this year around. They're struggling. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are a little bit. Um, now, going straight now on the line, and uh, we've got uh, Janaid. Now, Janaid has a... Uh, he has a 2015 Volkswagen CC. Good morning, Janaid. Morning. How thanks. are you? Very good, thanks. Thanks Thanks for calling in. Now, you've got a... We're just talking about the Volkswagen CC. Uh, yours is the 2-litre turbo. Tell us more about your uh, your car. Uh, before I go into it, I'm the one who actually commented about the F1. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well... I actually, actually do enjoy your commentary, and uh, it's great that someone from the region knows about the sport, and for newcomers, it's much easier to understand the sport, so I do appreciate it, and uh, keep it coming more. Thank you so much. I'm glad to know that I've got a fan out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll be tired of my voice by this evening, that's for sure, um, but but <laughs> thanks, yeah. thanks for we tuning in. We have two in. sessions today evening, so yeah, I do think <laughs> we'll be getting a bit tired, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, so so, tell us about your uh, your Volkswagen CC. Quite at the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not that fast. <laughs> uh, VW is uh, coming back, for my friend. Don't you worry. <laughs> yeah, that's what we hear. Let's hope they come back along with Porsche as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, yeah, going back to it, I actually bought it on Car Switch around three years ago. Actually, that car. So I bought it for around forty-two thousand dirhams at that time, and it's a 2015 Volkswagen Passat CC, two-liter engine, and it's a, a gray color car, and it has gone around 210,000 kilometers. So that I'll start off by saying thank you for buying a car <laughs> through us. I hope it was a good experience three yeah. years later, yeah. so at least it, it, it could have been worse, I guess. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> great to know. No, it has been great. Fantastic. Uh, no, service at that time was really great. It was something new at the time, so I had my doubts when I went into it, but uh, whatever was said on the app or the website, and your agent was really helpful as well. Much appreciated. Yeah, Much it was a good experience. I did recommend to some of my friends as well. That's fantastic. <laughs> and I think you're, uh, so we, we've had a few CCs uh, just in the last 30 minutes, right? So it is a popular car, it seems. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we had right? one just, just before the ad break. So uh, yeah, that, that's two in the yeah. last uh, 15 minutes, yeah. And look, prices ah. have been, frankly, on used cars, prices have been going up. You bought it for 42 uh, three yep. years ago. I'm looking Correct. at our valuation data, and, it, and it, it depends on the specific trim that you have, but I'm seeing here 35 to 40, which I think okay. three years in is phenomenal. <laughs> so yeah. I think there's very limited yeah. loss. <laughs> now, having said that, you know, always, and we had a different question on valuations. This is always a, a tricky art, right? Because it really depends on the demand supply, the specific year model and so on and so forth. I'd probably, if I was selling it, I would probably start off at 35 uh, and okay. see the traction it's getting, the offers that I'm getting and, and potentially revisit from there. Okay, understood. Good. Uh, hopefully, I'll be listing it on your app soon. Then, then we'll do that work for you. <laughs> Our pleasure. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a bit lazy to attend all the phone calls. No, that's, the, that's so the purpose of the proposition. The best thing about it, yeah, the best thing about CarSwitch is you would have less hassle because you would be taking care of all those things. I just have to get uh, the serious buyers. I don't have to 
looking to people who are just calling me during office hours just to understand the price so it's 100% opted for car switch because you will only bring me the real buyers rather than people who are just looking for price gazing and we really yeah. really appreciate your vote of confidence and i promise you damien i have not paid Junaid. i did not coordinate with him we, there is look, no coercion look, here whatsoever i didn't arrange it i didn't arrange this about Junaid talking about formula one either so. <laughs> yeah thank, thank I you think once I'll again wait for commissions for both i <laughs> know <laughs> uh, but it's an honest opinion I, i'm big fan of uh, your commentary as well as uh, the app as well so it's a genuine honest opinion Fantastic. Okay. Thank no you. one has paid me <laughs> so far. <laughs> Th- thanks very much, Junaid, and uh, I'll be I'll be speaking to you soon. Uh, but but <laughs> but but uh, <laughs> I actually opted for the Shai app, especially for this year, to listen to the local commentary because the F1 Sky and the other ITV4, uh, you couldn't relate to it. So this is much yeah. more because you are referring to the uh, regional Yasmarina circuit, Bahrain, Akar circuit, and all. So it's much more relatable for people in the region. So that's why I opted for this rather than Sky or ITV. Brilliant. Thanks very much, Junaid. I really, really do appreciate that. Fix it or flip it. So tell us about your car and we'll tell you how much it's worth. And this is how it works. As much information as you possibly can. The make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. If it's privately imported or if it's uh, bought through uh, GCC specs uh, through the dealerships here, if you brought it in yourself, it all adds up. It all makes uh, sense to us. So if you have any questions also about buying or selling any used car at all, send them into 4001 or via the ARN Play app. And Imad Hamad from CarSwitch and myself will do our best to sort you out and uh, and help you with this. And exactly who has done that is Piyush. Uh, Piyush, good morning. Hi, morning. Good morning. So you've got oh, a yes, uh, very good thanks. You've got a Jeep, I, I believe. Yep, Jeep Gang Cherokee Limited Edition 2015 model, uh, white color. Uh, the mileage is 65,000 kilometers. Okay, so uh, yeah, so Jeep. Jeep Grand Cherokee, um, very popular car here, uh, Imad. Yeah, and the mileage is, is quite low for that year. So great job on that. And I think it'll make it a bit more attractive on the sell. Uh, I think I'd probably estimate maybe around 55,000, 60,000 dirhams. Okay. How does that sound for you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I was expecting a bit more, but uh, I think that, that that's the price. Uh, so, and yeah, look on the that. expecting a bit more, and it's great that you've done the research. I think keep in mind you should always build in a bit of buffer for negotiation, right? So yeah. whatever oh. you're reading online probably has a bit of buffer built in. Uh, just keep that in mind. But I think in terms of the actual selling price, but uh, also too, Pierce, you know, as as we've been talking about this morning, and and also on previous shows, is with the market right now, uh, you you it's in your hand. Yeah, and, no, 100%. Uh, you know, if you if you if you think that you want a bit more than that, uh, you can probably hold out. That's sort of the market value. But if you think you can get more than that, there's going to be someone that will want your car. That's for Especially sure. Especially with your mileage. So I think, look, there. This isn't. Uh, it's an art more than a science, right? You, there's always a bit of wiggle room, uh, and, and you just have to play it that way. Yeah. Thanks very much, Piyush, and uh, all the best with that one. Um, now we're going now also to the line, and we've got. Uh, Joseph on the line. Good morning, Joseph. Hey, good morning. Welcome. Uh, great, good to have you online. Now you've got uh, a pretty, pretty nice little car, Dodge Challenger. Um, yeah, that uh, certainly gets a few looks for sure. Tell us more about it. Um, I picked it up in 2016. I'm the second owner. Um, it's it, it was doing. It had done uh, about 100k when I picked it up and was in good shape. 
Um, I drove it for another 140k. It's 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 at around 244k right now. Uh, I haven't had any insurance or vaccine claims, and uh, it's a GCC spec. This it's it's got it's got stock features, and it's never betrayed me on the roads. Uh, but it's been it's been uh, some time that I've had it, and I'm in two minds: should I keep it or should I flip it? <laughs> Yeah, what what, what mean, do you think, man? You've certainly driven it quite a bit, so at least you got yeah. um, you've enjoyed it. It seems <laughs> this time, which mm-hmm. is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I think. Look on the the Challenger. the The really tricky thing is these American imports that have frankly mm-hmm. flooded uh, the UAE, especially on these models: the Mustang, the Charger, the Challenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're often unfortunate, uh, unfortunately, in salvage condition or flooded, and so on. But they retail for far lower pricing, and that just sets buyers. Uh, perception at much lower numbers. I think uh, once you, uh, yeah. So, sorry to interrupt, but um, just to clarify this, uh, I bought it from someone here, and uh, they bought it uh, from right off the dot showroom here. No, I know. I heard you say yeah. that it was GCC spec, uh, which is great. But oh, I, yeah. I think what I was trying to say is, you know, as a buyer, you flip open a couple of websites, you'll see a bunch of challengers. You won't necessarily know right. that some are imported, some are GCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. the, you'll see two hundred forty thousand kilometers. You'll be thinking it'll be it'll will uh skew your perception of what the fair value right. is i think for the gcc i would say probably the fair value at an average mi- mileage mark would probably be around 30 35000 dirhams mm-hmm. um with again the the american imports would be much lower i bet they'd be mm-hmm. probably 25 and so uh i think you'll just need to differentiate your car that way and make sure it's very clear to people that absolutely. this is gcc spec yeah, absolutely, Joseph. I think v- number one, the first line on your on your ad after you say the make and the model it's and the GCC, year 100%. is GCC spec bought new from the from the dealership in Dubai from the from the authorized distributor, uh, and then go from there because that will add value to your car, no question. Um, yeah, and uh, what is your suggestion? Should I keep it as a second car, or should I just say is it time that I let go of it? I mean, look, I guess these are driven by your personal uh, circumstances, right? Do you need the second car? Do you not need the second car? I think if we step back and we've been talking about this uh, a little bit earlier, it is a good time to sell. It's a seller yeah. market, right? So if you're if, if you, you don't need it, if you're looking for top dollar, you you should be looking to sell now. Yeah. If you're looking just to free up a bit of space, and then then uh, you know that that's uh, that's something you can play around with. But the market right now for sellers, it's 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 like we said to the previous call, it's in your pocket. So um, you know you you probably won't get as good a value in uh, in a year or two's time as you will now. Right, that sounds good. So sell it. <laughs> <laughs> right, now that makes good. Brilliant. Thanks, thanks very much, Joseph, and uh, all the best with that one. Um, now we're going now also straight to Bavna. Bavna, uh, you have a Mercedes C200 with an AMG kit, uh, 2018 model. Um, now I've got here 69,000 kilometres. Tell us more about uh, your car. Sure. Um, so, yeah, it's a Mercedes C200 with the AMG kit. Um, I've had it for a couple of years now. The warranty expires in March. Um, and yeah, I, I just don't really use it much anymore. So looking to, to see if I can get a good buyer. Okay. So you say that it's, uh, it's, it's a GCC spec. So it, it was, it was sold through the distributor here, which is, which is Gargash. Um, but you've had it serviced outside of Gargash as well. Is that correct? No, that's not. So oh, it's okay. only serviced with, uh, 
with Gagash. Oh, perfect. Okay, that's even better. So fully serviced from Gagash. Is it the coupe or yeah. the four-door? The four-door. All right. And how much was the mileage? Uh, 69000 Okay, that's pretty good. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a really nice car. My sister actually has it, so I, I hope you're enjoying <laughs> it. Um, I absolutely love it. It's got uh, leather interiors uh, in red, and it's uh, a dark blue-colored car. Beautiful. So uh, for the four-door, um, I think it would probably be around the 120, maybe a little bit higher, 125, 130K mark. Uh, once you get into these 2018, 2019 models, you are somewhat competing with new cars, somewhat, which are in limited supply. So I think especially if you're not using it much and you don't really need it, I would say now is a good time to sell it if you're, if you're looking to extract value out of it. Okay. Great. Well, that. that's, the, that's the number I had in mind, more or less. Perfect. We've, we've, we've hit Perfect. the nail on the yeah. head again. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much, Bavna, and all, and all the best with that one. Um, now, uh, we've got a, a question here that came in from a text, and this is uh, we're going to go a little bit behind the scenes of Motormania and, uh, and fix it or flip it here because uh, Jack has uh, texted in, and he wants to know what, valuation reference books we use to assist us in coming up with a valuation. As an unofficial motorhead, what uh, books come closest for this region? Uh, and he asks, is Kelly's still the gold standard? Um, perfect time to ask that question, Jack, because uh, Imad's with us right in the studio today <laughs> from Car Switch. Question. Tell us about it. How, how do you find these values? So it, it, we could spend a whole session on this. So uh, <laughs> a, a big part of the Car Switch IP is around our evaluator and the algorithms that we built behind it. So for this region, I think first off, there isn't really a standard uh, price reference actually. Mm. And so the Kelly Blue Book uh, is not really applicable for our market or our region. And that's what makes, uh, I think, used car sales quite opaque here because there is no reference that you can use. There are no large wholesale markets that mm. have publicly available data that you can benchmark against. So the way at least we go about valuations is obviously we are in the business of buying and selling cars on behalf of customers. We don't own the vehicles ourselves. So we have very good uh, insight on what are actual transactional values in the private market, which is a bit different to the dealership market. And so if we step back, I'd say there's probably two dynamics here. One is you have your traditional way of looking at pricing, right? Mm. You buy a car, there's a price for it new, and there's a depreciation curve on that. And yeah. you can do your statistical analysis that we do for every make, model, variation, and do depreciation curves to assess what would the value be after a couple of years. I think the other factor makes this a lot trickier, which is the supply and demand. Uh, every used car is a unique SKU. There's yeah. no other car like it. It'll have that specific mileage, that specific color, those specific features. And so there will be a buyer that will value that or not value it at all. You may have gotten those yellow seat belts thinking they were cool. And <laughs> yes. you know the next guy does not value it the same way. And that skews all the pricing data. I think the third factor you have to build in as well is frankly, every seller will have his own circumstance. And particularly in the UAE, uh, you'll have folks leaving the country and maybe tight on time and may need to dispose of a vehicle quickly. Mm. You may have a buyer that's buying on financing and therefore maybe less price sensitive to the monthly installment, willing to pay a bit more to get what they want. So all of these factors result in a fairly wide range, yeah. frankly, for every car. And also too, we, we are in a, a unique market insofar as 
we're we're one of the very very few, if not the only market perhaps that gets an equal mix of. Asian model cars, not just from Japan, but also from Korea and from China. Uh, but we also get the full European spec cars, and we get the U.S. domestic 100%. spec cars, which don't go anywhere else. For instance, you know Lincoln, which we're going to talk about in the, in the second hour, they don't export pretty much to anywhere else other than well, pretty much one or two places. But we get them there. Um, we're talking about the Dodge Challenger. These are cars that don't really export to many other markets, and so we get everything here. It must be very hard to say to, to try and get a Kelly's Book style of thing. It doesn't really work for our region, does it? No, you need uh, publicly available data for it. And even when you have it, it still won't take it into account the qualitative circumstances around the sale. Yeah. Now, having said that, we, for example, uh, at CarSwitch, we, our evaluator is available publicly. So yeah. if you go to carswitch.com slash car evaluator, you can actually get a rough sense of a value. But what I would say to all our listeners is the... Value will ultimately depend on also the buyer on the other side. Yeah. If you're looking to sell, uh, start the price, you know, use yeah. these valuators as an indication, start somewhere, get offers and readjust as you see fit. Similarly, if you're a buyer, do the research, shop around, go to a few sites, a few yeah. dealerships uh, and take it from there. Brilliant. Now on the line, we're going straight now to, uh, to Malik. Uh, good morning, Malik. Hi, good morning, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Now, you, you've got a Chev Captiva. Tell us more about your Captiva 2017 model, I believe. Yes, yes. Uh, I'm the original owner, uh, serviced in uh, Gandhi dealership. Uh, it has 73,000 kilometers on it now. Uh, actually, my wife drove the car all the time. Uh, and uh, now she's just uh, bored of it. Uh, so I just wanted to know, should I sell? Should I flip it? Yeah, so it's still under warranty, but not for much longer. Is that right? Being a 2017 yeah, model? Until, uh, until end of August, yes. Okay, so, so we're running very close. And it's the LT model um, for, for that one. Yeah, the, the, the Captiva was, was very good there. And it obviously being sold through Algandi, so it's a full GCC spec car, as we've been saying before. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's come yeah. through. Yeah. So I think we would say uh, probably in the 35, maybe 40K range. Uh, you put Lady Driven on that ad, and that adds 2K. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but jokes yeah. aside, I think my, my guess would be somewhere in the 35K range. Uh, maybe start it off yeah. at 40 and see the traction that you get. Yeah, yeah. And, and another question, is it, is it better to take it back to the, to the dealer and try to, uh, you know, put down, uh, you know, make it as, a, as, a, as an advance payment and get a new car? Or should I sell it outside the dealership? What do you think? So, uh, you, uh, I'm a biased individual. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> the answer is always, sell if you have time, sell it to a private individual. You will make more right. value for it. And if you don't want the headache, uh, Car Switch can sell it for you or you can find alternative channels. That's fine. But I think whenever you do a trade-in or sell to a dealership, there are profit margins that need to be made to sustain the overheads that are there. So the only yeah. time I yep. would ever suggest selling to a dealership is if either you simply don't have the time or you're operating with a very rare specimen yep. that will take a long time to sell. Other than that, go private if you can. Yeah. I hope, okay. I hope that helps you, Malik. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks very much, Malik. And uh, that's about uh, all we've got uh, time for, believe it or not. Um, so uh, thank you so much, Imad. Uh, My Hamad, pleasure. Founder of uh, carswitch.com. Um, Imad Barak.
and your plans, you're saying you're, you're getting on the plane. Yeah, we're going to Germany. Ba'id Mubarak to everybody, and thank you very much for having me. Fantastic. Well, up next, we're going to talk about the EU. They want all cars to be equipped with a speed limiter by 2024. Is this something you want to see in the UAE? And I'm joined now by fellow motoring journalists, Imta Shanjado and Noel Ebden. Good morning, chaps. Morning, morning. Nice to uh, nice to have you guys in. <laughs> Woohoo, I think I'm here. Right. Okay. It's a weekend, Eid. isn't it? It's Eid. <laughs> it's what we do. Now, uh, before we get stuck into this, uh, here's a comment from a listener from uh, our last chat about tyres, if you remember. Uh, and he's uh, texting. He said, hi, chaps. Um, I bought a used car from a used car dealer. Part of the agreement was that they replaced the tyres all round. Uh, fast forward a year to registration renewal. I had to replace the tyres because they were over five years old. A point to listeners, check the age of the tyres if uh, in a similar situation. Agree? There are definitely some wow. unscrupulous dealers out there. I mean, they should have given you brand new tyres to fit new. Used tyres is completely out of order. But it's not the first time I've heard a story like that. Mm. Because people do anything to close a sale. Now, of course, I think when you're picking up the car, whether it's a used car from a dealer or a private individual, check everything. Yeah. And do not sign on the dotted line or pay the money until you're completely happy. Because people are in a big hurry, right? They all want to pick up their car and go home and show it to their mates or their friends or their loved ones. Take a minute, take a breath. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like, like you, you, you're so keen to get a car. You go, great, that's good. You look at the tyres. Yeah, there's enough meat on, those, on that rubber. That's fine. But you've got to check that stamp on the side. The date, yep. Otherwise, the RTA are going to send you home. But I think a lot of people aren't aware that the that the date is on the side of the tyre. That's right. Yeah, yes. a lot of yeah. people. I mean, I've, I've How many people even know that tyres have an expiration date? Uh, yeah. I mean, technically five question. years in the yeah. UAE. Tyres technically don't have an expiration date, but the RTA quite correctly rules that five years maximum in this heat, and that makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah Probably less. And it takes it takes all of ten seconds to check the date. I mean, yeah. it's not a it's not a hard job to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, definitely check them. Yeah, so... Um, Behind the wheel this week. Now, this is going off the fact that a couple of weeks ago, Noel, you were driving the Lincoln Corsair. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just drove the Lincoln Aviator, right. the, the presidential model, yeah. um, which I quite like because it's got all the, the trappings of the Navigator, the big Navigator, which is actually too big to fit in my car park and fit up the ramp. So the, the Aviator is a bit smaller than that one. Um, has the twin turbo V6, uh, Full, you know, beautiful cabin, stylish exterior. Um, now, in terms of, of, of comparisons, you're probably looking Porsche Cayenne, Q8, X5, XC90. A little bit smaller, um, not as athletic as those cars, not as, as sporting, that's for sure, but a lot more affordable. We're talking 320,000 dirhams for, for this one. Wow. Um, and in my opinion, more prestigious to look at. I mean, mm. it's a... It, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the style. Of where I like Link, the name of where Lincoln is going. I know. Yeah. I the JFK edition, the Lincoln edition. <laughs> I was but, just about to say, why did you get the presidential edition? I didn't get that. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> <For> it's, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. ask, ask Lincoln. Um, but I'm a fan of the styling because it's a, it's a it's a breakaway from the the typical cookie cutter European styling. It's it's very Park Lane ish mm. in its feel. Aren't the seats? Ma- I drove ones. So I can comment on this. Mm. Aren't the seats magnificent? Fantastic. I mean, we're talking, uh, what, 20, 22, no, 30-way adjustable seats. More than you need. 30-way adjustable seats. I can't even think of 30 ways to adjust a seat. No, but it has like individual, (laughs) the headrest goes in at all sorts of things. Wow. But it's so comfy and it's so quick. Yeah, well, this is it. Three liter V six twin turbo, ten speed auto. uh, Now, don't forget, it's seven hundred. Sorry, it's a seven seater. Um, Horsepower not far off the Raptor. Four hundred horsepower. 
It's the same motor, just slightly yeah. detuned. Wow. So five sixty three newton meters of torque. It is not an off road car, FYI. Oh no, no, no! I didn't. I didn't even attempt. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was for cruising around downtown Boulevard. Has that's anything for sure. with the word presidential in it ever been off road? Let's be fair. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, we got well twenty two inch uh, alloys. Yes, um, but how does it ride on twenty two? And all these said, no, you'd never get a good ride on twenty two inch wheels. On the beautifully paved roads around here, it was silent. Wow. Um, but but I didn't take it off the beautifully paved roads. That's that's. I think that was the key. Uh, but yeah, so you got a twelve point three inch digital display, ten point inch, ten point one inch touchscreen. Um, as I say, three rows of seats. So the second row is a forty twenty forty situation. Um, but also with the uh, you've got screens in the back where you, the kids can operate the, uh, the the cooled seats, the air conditioning, the audio. There's USB outlets. Um, of course, you've got the things which are standing there, heads-up display, wireless charger for Android and Apple, 28-speaker audio system. Um, I just thought it was, a, it was a nice... I mean, I'm a fan of the, the, the German cars as well, but it's a nice departure, something different from yeah. those you've been looking for. And that's what you found with the Corsair, yeah? Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the key, isn't it? I mean, I, when I had the Corsair, I had about two or three people come up to me and say, oh, what's that? Yeah. And uh, I was saying, oh, you know, it's, this is really, you know, it's a Lincoln, blah, 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 et cetera. But the... The European cars, there's so much platform sharing going on now. They yeah. are all starting to look very similar to each other. And it, it is different. It's left field. It's a left field choice. Yeah. And, and Shane, you're, you've, been a, you've been an owner of an American car recently. Yeah. Until very recently. Until very recently. <laughs> <laughs> um, similar platform. Um, what, how would you compare that style of thing to, to those Europeans we're talking about, the KN, the X5, the Q8? So that's very interesting because they have a definite dynamic focus. And they have a slightly colder feel to them. The, Euro, the Americans have a nice warmth to it. You sit in there, there's lots of shiny chrome. The, the colours are rot, a little more inviting. The yes. European cars have that feel of being in Dusseldorf or Germany or Paris, etc. It has a little bit more aloof, but at the same time, it has that sort of incredible competence. So it depends what mood you like when you sit in your car. You're right, because you've got the light colour leathers. In this case, it was, it was white leather, but you've got pale timber veneers, massive panoramic sunroof. Um, whereas the, with the, the German cars, you know, they're dark leathers, dark timber, or the English cars or whatever, you know, the, the traditional cars you think of when you think of luxury SUVs, dark timber, dark yep. timber, you know, and, and it kind dark, of dark, 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 closes dark, yeah. around you. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a, it was a, it was a, a lovely cabin. I just liked being, I mean, I drove it for a little bit and I thought the Aviator was such a nice pleasant car to be not Range Rover-esque but you can clearly see where they had their eye on the ball like mm. the Range Rover is also a nice place and the, if you talk yes. about the three countries you're talking about now with this Germany the Americans the Brits often split the difference they're dynamic enough but they're more comfortable than the Germans true mm. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, still waiting to get my hands on the new Range Rover as is everyone um, but if you have one, you could probably sell it, but don't sell the press card. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. Uh, so that's what I've been driving this week. Um, and uh, straight after this, we're going to be talking about what you guys have been getting into. Mm. And uh, I believe, yeah, you've been in something quite nice now. I have, yes. Right. And I have been putting time to the test by taking a 26-year-old Land Cruiser into the desert and mountains with interesting results. <laughs> yes, I need an update. I need an update about uh, about the... Let's talk restorations. So I'm going to go straight to Noel mm -hmm. uh, because you've got a car that's quite dear to my heart that you've just been driving recently. Tell us yes, what have you been I in. I know. I probably should have come and picked you up and taken you for a spin, actually, to be fair. <laughs> I'm um, old enough to have driven this car when it was a press car. That's, that, that that's your, showing your age. That yes, is, tell yeah. us. <laughs> so uh, I've been driving um, a 1992 Honda NSX. 
Ooh, which, as uh, a lot of people know, was the uh, sort of broke the mold really for the Japanese sort of coming into uh, the supercar market at Japan's the time. Ferrari. Yeah. That's what it yes. was bred badged as. Yeah, yeah. and it was it, it was interestingly thrown up against my other car. It was it was yes. a direct rival yes. to my three four eight. Road tests were compa- I remember because I remember the, doing them. Mm. <laughs> Road tests of the three four eight Ferrari <laughs> yeah. against the uh, the Honda NSX, yes. the car that was designed with Ayrton Senna's assistance because he drove a Honda powered McLaren at the time. Yes, I'm actually looking after it for a friend who's um, who's moved overseas and he's uh, arranging the shipment of the car. So, um, but he said have a drive, you know, while you've got it, and uh, yeah, I've got it actually parked next to the three four eight. So uh, yeah, I've got the, it's, wow. it's the nineties. It's the '90s in my garage. Yeah. So you've got the uh, you've you've got the pink shirt and the white suit. Yeah, I should, shouldn't I? I need the espadrilles. That's the next thing. Yeah. But, uh, and it was, yeah. of course, the car that brought that introduced the world to VTEC because yes. it came before the CRX and uh, subsequent Hondas. Yep. And it was the car that gave that very distinctive sound. Yep. At I think it's five thousand seven hundred revs, where the the cam layer just drops in mm. and bang, you're off again. Wasn't it tested by Anton Senna as well? He was involved in yeah. some. It wasn't he along along the line, I believe. But well, uh, he, yeah. yeah, because he was he was the world champion at the time with mm. with Honda powered McLaren. He did the testing on that car. That's then right, they yeah. did an NSXR, which very very few came out, and he had a very direct involvement that's in that. Right, and that's yeah. on YouTube. Check that one out. So you know doing the story is with the Senna thing, right? Mm. So this is again one of those really like did Senna actually do the NSX? Well, yes and no. From what I have heard, which could be a completely different story, mm. the Japanese built the NSX, very proud of it, and Senna dropped in, had a look at it, and it was like, no, not right. <laughs> which means they had to go not to say go back to the drawing board, but he, with their input, he basically perfected it. So the Japanese bought it like 80% of the way, mm. and then Senna gave the magic sparkle. He tweaked he tweaks yeah. it, yeah, yeah. yeah, which is all that matters, right? Absolutely. But, um, while I'm with you. You've now tell us, tell us, you've you've we've been we've been following the running updates on your uh, your Land Cruiser, and you've now taken it out into the desert. Yeah, so I mean, before everybody starts, it's not a boring Land Cruiser. It's a twenty-six-year-old <laughs> Land Cruiser that has five hundred and twelve thousand kilometers on it, which I have restored from virtually scrap to the magnificence that now sits in front of your Instagram screens. Um, so I took it off to the mountains actually yesterday. Um, which is the same trail that I took a Ram Power Wagon, which was absolutely nightmarish. It was completely the wrong truck for it. But a Land Cruiser just is a mountain goat, absolutely effortless going up these trails. So that's its native habitat. So incredible. You don't have to lock anything, just pretty much point and shoot up a hill that was 20 degrees, uh, which is hard to walk up of. Mm. And it's incredible what these cars can do on what is largely street tires. It is modified, but... Not a scratch, apart from the fact that the bonnet won't open since I've come back, which is interesting. Maybe the whole body's changed shape. Um, <laughs> desert is what most people know out here, and that's where things get interesting. Because if you look at a modern car, like, say, a TRX or mm. a Wrangler or an FJ or a Bronco, they've got a lot of power. So you can pretty much just point and shoot up dunes, and you can clip off crests. You can do all sorts of silly stunts, and the car will absolutely forgive you. Not so with a 26-year-old Land Cruiser. You don't have the power. What it drives like, to put it mildly, is a tractor. So you just kind of stick it, find the torque point, which is about 3,000 RPM, and just keep it there. And it'll chug, 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 yeah. like, like a steam train up dunes, which is really weird because everybody else is screaming along and you're just like pottering along like your Thomas Tank engine. It's yeah. great. And you get anywhere. Fantastic. So we're going to talk about my uh, little update um, a little later because we've got a big news story happening right now. And this just came out yesterday. Um, every new car now sold in the European Union will soon include anti-speeding technology uh, known as Intelligent Speed Assistance or ISA. Uh, the EU regulation is uh, goes into effect from today and states that all new models and types of cars introduced to the European market must include this. 
Uh, the policy doesn't apply to any new cars that are in showrooms today, not yet anyway, but by July 2024, every new car sold in the EU must have a built-in anti-speeding system. Now, the ISA... Um, what it is essentially it's uh, it's a system that's already fitted to a lot of cars now and uh, many new models but it's going to be mandated on all new cars in two years it detects the speed limit on the roads through sat nav through cameras um at the moment, it needs to be switched on by the driver in the models that have it, but these new regulations mean that it will be engaged by default on every restart of the car um, and uh, so that it just comes on as soon as you turn on. Now, initially, it's not going to cut the speed initially. It's going to warn you a bit like what we have here with 120 kilometre you know, bells that go off in your car. Um, it'll, it'll be an audible warning or it'll be a vibrating steering wheel uh, or it might be a slow pushback against the accelerator but in some versions, it will be automatically reduced. But uh, at the moment, users can ignore it and override it for now. But that's something you're changing. I mean, if you look at the moment, if you look at that locally, because it's going to come through to here, there's no question. But you look at UAE road deaths right now, last year, 381 versus 2020, 256. Injuries in last year, 2,620 versus 2,437 in 2020. Now, I know there's a COVID factor in that, that we're off the road. Mm. But... Um, it's the. I know it's going to be a big issue here. Do we need speed limiters in in cars in the UAE? Interesting. I mean, my understanding is you can push past this technology. So it first of all, it warns you, mm. and basically, if you choose to ignore it, you can keep pressing the accelerator, and the car will accelerate. Because yeah. there is a safety issue here. I mean, not so much highway speeds. Forget about highway speeds because that's at at one twenty, one forty, whatever you're driving at. That you don't need to change speed particularly quickly, and most cars wouldn't change speed very quickly either. Yeah. If you're on a 30-kilometre-per-hour road or a 40-kilometre-per-hour road and you need to – somebody swerves in front of you or whatever and you need to shoot around them, if you, if the car doesn't respond, that can put you into a difficult situation. Now, I'm not in any way advocating speeding. I mean, that's not what mm. I'm saying. I'm simply saying that if you don't have full control of the car and it doesn't respond in the way that you want, that can be dangerous. Uh, that's, yeah, that's my, ab- absolutely. I've had I've had this before with cars where it was it, the lane restriction, for example, where the cars fought back against me because I was swerving around somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's not always it's not it's not foolproof. Yeah. What do you think, Shane? Well, yeah, I'm incredibly thought about it. I think there are some places where it makes total sense. Like as one person in the room who's picked up a speeding ticket in idyllic Swiss village, which was I think a speed limit of thirty or something, which was low but that's how it is in swiss villages if i had a system like this i would have been absolutely fine because he would just take over the driving for me on the other hand i agree with my esteemed colleague that we should be in charge (laughs) of our driving and there are a lot of places where it's good to have control and also on top of that as somebody who grew up with technology i don't necessarily think it's always fully baked it's good to have it but a lot of this stuff is gen one v1 beta i don't want to be a beta tester for this technology yeah absolutely and and you know we're running a a poll on instagram dubai 1038 and uh, the results so far interesting um 65 said yes absolutely we do and 35 say no way that's interesting. I would mm. have I would have thought it'd be a lot closer than I that. I thought it'd be fifty. I think the fuel yeah. prices have changed everybody's mind yeah. because nobody wants <laughs> to accelerate quickly anymore. <laughs> so, do, if you want to you want to get involved with the Instagram poll, get onto uh, Instagram Dubai one hundred three eight and uh, and and vote yes or no on that one, or send us a text four double zero one. We'd love to know your thoughts on that one. I, I, I'm with you now. I mean, I think. Um, it does bring it. It does introduce some inherent risks insofar as, for instance. 
uh, the one that the, the, the example that, that's used often overtaking a truck, for example, you mm. know, it, it, on on a single lane road, you want to get past that that vehicle. A truck is speed limited to a hundred kilometres per hour. You're doing uh, you're doing 120, which means you're at most or 110, depending on what the speed limit is. If if it's 110, then you're only doing 10 kilometres an hour faster than the truck. Now you either sit behind the truck and 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 risk getting a, a rock through the windscreen, or which has happened to mm. people I know from from the wheels, or you know so much spray off the truck if it's wet weather that you can't see. Or you need about five kilometres of of being on the wrong side of the road to pass it at the slowest possible pace, or do you get past it at a reasonable speed and then drop back to your limit later on? That's that's the concern that yeah. I can see. What happens in your native Australia, Damien, where, for example, the Hume Highway is 100 kilometres per hour and you have buses doing 100 and you're doing 100 and under no circumstances can you accelerate? What happens in those situations? I can tell you from first-hand experience. Um, so I... <laughs> Uh, I, I was I was heading down the Hume Highway. This is a number of years ago. Behind a truck, the truck had been uh, it was a, a double a B double fuel tanker, so a lot of fuel on board, and it was probably in travelling a, a several thousand kilometres straight because the driver I think was was uh, it was at five o'clock in the morning. I think he'd driven through the night. He the the trailer was dropping off into the gravel, so it was throwing rocks onto the, the press car that I had at the time. I didn't want to get stone chips on the car. This guy was clearly was was falling asleep at the wheel. So I found a long bit of road and I overtook. So I, I overtook and I knowing that it was a it was a, a heavily policed area, but the risk was was more that I needed to overtake. So I actually overtake using the cruise control. So I overtake I overtook at the slowest possible speed and I used the cruise control button to increase it to 120, all of 120 kilometers an hour. I built up enough of a gap once I passed him and then I merged left back in front and uh, and use the cruise control button to slow the car back down to the speed limit without having the truck you know being wedged on my tail yeah. and sure enough there's the police he went out and did a illegal U-turn on a double painted lines on a, on a curb and around a blind crest, he can. Yeah. <laughs> um, and pulled me over. And he 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 uh, booked me for doing uh, two kilometres over the speed limit. Two, 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 a whole two. And if I wanted to, uh, if I wanted to uh, negotiate, I would have to then drive to that country town, which was nine hours from home, to discuss it in the local court, knowing you know the way that country police and courts work. I just went, you know what, well, I'll pay it. So yeah, and this is this is why it's in my mind. Is like. I did it as safely as possible. It's still probably, it was probably worth it. It was safer to get the fine than to well, you then got well, pulled over. Well, he was over, pulled over. I'm sure the yeah. truck overtook him again. So, yeah. well, <laughs> so the, you did the, the truck passed as, as we were getting the fine. So the guy that had been been awake for 18 hours with with uh, probably 40,000 gallons of fuel mm. was fine. Yes. <laughs> so what have we learned? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that that's. Um, I think the I think the technology is going to be used um, in a legal sense. So you'll be able to push past it. Um, I can't. You uh, can drive I, through yeah, it. Yes, yes, at the moment you can yes. drive at through it. At the moment, yes. yes, that's exactly yeah. the point. But I mean, as I say, I think there's a lot of um, sort of uh, safety issues around making it mandatory. Yeah. Um, but if you do decide to do as you did, go over the speed limit, then uh, it can be downloaded and checked and they and, and banged to rights. Yeah. So maybe that's uh, how we would do it. So. In a few moments' time, I'm going to be speaking to a Dubai resident, Clement. Um, call him crazy, but he's just driven all the way from the UAE to France. And our first question is going to be why. I've still got in the studio, of course, Yip the Shanjiado and Noel Ebden, who are with me uh, for this final half hour. Uh, but we're also joined by someone all the way from France. He's uh, a UAE resident who uh, has had to uh, go back to France. So he wanted to take his new Volkswagen Golf GTI back to his country. But instead of looking into shipping the car, 
well, why not? Let's just drive. Let's just drive back to uh, to France. It sounds like fun, but I'm sure it hasn't been uh, a straightforward trip. So uh, I'm joined now by Clement Piard, the proud owner of this Golf GTI that he bought here in Dubai. Good morning, Clement. Hello, Damien. Can you hear me correctly? Yes, I've got you. You're, you're on air now with uh, with Dubai Eye. Uh, thank you for joining okay. us because it's pretty early in the morning, I understand, there right now in France. Yes, yes. No worries. It's fine. It's fine. Only 9, 9.30 is fine. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. We, we thought we'd let you sleep in. Uh, thank you for joining us on uh, on Motomania this morning. Uh, how are you feeling? Have you rested up from the trip? Uh, yes. Now it's been uh, two months since I reached France, you know. Uh, I will say that the first week was a bit uh, tough and a bit, uh, uh, let's say, I was a bit tired for the first week, but then I could rest, and now I am able to tell my story without uh, without any issue, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, the, the, the straight-up question is why. Why, why did you drive uh, back to France? Uh, so I think I was thinking about the first reason that uh, I had this... Uh, uh, ID in my mind, and I think that the first the first moment I was thinking about it was um, when uh, I first did a trip to Saudi Arabia with my car. I had in this moment earlier this year uh, BMW Z4, and uh, I was thinking because the prices of this car in France and the prices in Dubai are very different, you know. Mm. So I was thinking during my way. Maybe I I should I should or I could uh, bring this car to France, you know, and try to change the plate number and change this car to a French uh, homologation, let's say. And uh, driving this car to France, you know, it will cost me a lot uh, less than in Dubai. Uh, uh, but um, I mean, no, a, a lot less than in France, you know, because the prices there are very expensive. Uh, so this was the first moment I was thinking about the idea uh, of coming back to France with the car. But Fair. I was thinking about doing it with ship, you know, because this was the only way to bring a car uh, in my mind. Yes. Uh, so, yes. So, so the, first, the first moment I was thinking about it was with this, with this car earlier this year, you know. But then I came back to Dubai. Uh, I didn't think about it anymore uh, until the moment I had to come back to France, you know. Uh, in May, in April, May, I had to come back to France, and I was uh, checking the the flight and everything. I was thinking, okay, what about bringing the car? Yeah. But it was still the Z4, so I was thinking, okay, this Z4 will not be, uh, let's say, will not be uh, good for this trip, you know, especially with the road. It's uh, a small car; it will be very hard. So. Let's try to find another car. If I can find another car, then maybe I will start to do this trip, you know? <laughs> Fantastic. So um, just quickly, how, how, what was the route? How did you drive from, from here to France? Uh, so finally, after, after finding another car, which was the Golf GTI, uh, I, decided, I started to check all the visa, all the condition, all the rules. Uh, to cross every country with my car, you know, to be sure that it will be possible. And uh, then I left. Then I left. Uh, I went first to Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, Iraq, uh, Turkey, uh, then Bulgaria, Serbia, Europe. You know, it was uh, it was a bit easier in Europe. But uh, yes. 
Fantastic. I mean, when I saw your story, I thought I have to speak to you because it's something that I've had in the back of my mind. I would love to do what you've just done. Um, so I had to speak to you. Now, I'm joined in the studio with uh, Noel Ebden and Inta Shandiata, motoring journalists. Uh, guys, would you drive to Europe? 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Clement, what's the distance you drove in total? So uh, if you check on Google Maps uh, from Dubai to the city I am living in, I am originally from, it's written 7,000 kilometers. But you need to consider that this 7,000 kilometers will be like uh, without any changing uh, position. Let's say, uh, you know, when sometimes you have to something is happening, there is an accident or something is, is going wrong, you need to change your way, you know. So in total, uh, from the moment I left uh, Dubai, it was on my car written 153,000 kilometers and I reached with 161. So in total, it was 8,000. Wow. That's a way, isn't it? Yeah, That's a absolutely. Long way. Uh, what sort of, uh, did, did you have to make any modifications to the car? What, what sort of process did you go through before you started this trip with the car? Uh, through the car itself, I didn't have to do any change because uh, fortunately I found the car in very good condition. So I couldn't say that the car was ready for this kind of trip, especially Golf GTI, you know. But uh, I mean, I was just doing uh, a check in the garage to a friend of mine in Dubai who checked the car. I don't think we did modification especially, but just I was making sure that I will not have any issue during the way with the, especially in the me- mechanical point of view, you know? Yeah. I- I'm sure it's not, uh, it hasn't been a straightforward trip like just jumping the car and heading down to Abu Dhabi or something like that. What what, what sort of ad- adventures did you encounter along the way? So, like, for instance, passport issues? Were there, you know, you, you went through some pretty uh, sensitive parts of the world there. Was it, uh, was it, what, what did you, what was uh, the things you came across? Uh, the things I came across, I will say the main things, uh, and the main issue was uh, where about uh, where about the moment I went to Iraq, you know. So to enter, uh, once I tried to enter and once I was there inside, I will say that most of the troubles started, you know, and uh, the complication was happening in this moment. Uh, so to give you an example, uh, I've been rejected from the border between Kuwait and Iraq. Uh, the first time because I didn't have a visa and I was thinking that I could get the visa in the border, but it was not true. So I had to come back. Uh, and when I went back to Kuwait, they told me that it will be hard for me to get a visa. So in this moment, I went back to Saudi Arabia, driving uh, 300 more kilometers and trying to um, reach Iraq through the border of uh, Saudi Arabia because from Kuwait it was a bit hard. This is one of the reasons why um, I, I had to do much more kilometers than it was written on Google Maps because of this changing uh, way, you know. This one, one of the reasons. Mm. So, so I mean, it's a, it's a it's a standard Golf GDI. It's not a, it's not a big SUV. It's not an off-roader. So the roads were all okay. You didn't have any uh, issues in, in heading off-road or, you know, images that we have in our head of, of, of climbing sand dunes and bashing through rivers. Um, <laughs> I will, uh, <laughs> I will say that uh, uh, mostly the issues were administrative issues, you know, about uh, visas, about papers. These were the main reason mm. about issues. And uh, also some, unfortunately, because of the weather, you know, 
the weather was hot in this moment already because it was May, so it started to be hot. Uh, I had to face some uh, sunstorm in some countries, uh, I mean, Kuwait and Iraq. And uh, I think that all of this uh, caused me electronical issue in the car. Right. So this was one of the uh, of the other issue I had to face. It was the car, the the car problem, you know, electronical car problem. Yeah. So so the car you're, you're driving around now, you're from from the images I've seen that you sent, you're still running around on Dubai license plates yeah. on the car in in, in France. Yes. yes. Um, was, has that been a, any a, a hurdle to get over, or I mean, what's it like to drive a car that's not on the the registration of of the country that you're driving through? Is is that an issue, or you can get it? How do you get around that? Uh, it's uh, possible. It's legal to drive a car uh, in Europe. I will say Europe, not only France, but Europe. It's possible to bring a car from outside and drive inside Europe. I think, if I am not wrong. Uh, from the information I get on the internet, uh, you can drive the car in Europe for six months. But then you have two options. You need to make it French or to make it European, to change the specification and to make it European, or you need to bring it back outside Europe. Mm. So now it's been two months. I am driving the car in, in France with my Dubai plate number. And my plan is to change the plate number to make the car French. Okay, right. What and there's a question I've, I've asked the Noel and Ipnishan in the studio. I'm going to ask you guys again. What would be the vehicle that you would drive from here to there? <laughs> oh, okay. So all my respect to Volkswagen and to Golf GTI, you know, because I enjoy and I think it's an amazing car. But uh, I will not not recommend maybe to take it for this kind of trip, you know. Uh, and the main reason is you. Uh, the main reason is that it's a small car, you know, so yeah. there is not so much space inside. So when you th- when sometimes you have to stop and to and you want to rest or to sleep, <laughs> uh, it's not the it's not the most adapted car, you know. So I had to to sleep maybe five or six days, six nights in this car, and I have to say that there is not so much space for it, you know. So. Um, Wow, that's that's crazy sleeping in a golf GT. Yeah, to, yeah. to be fair, it, it, it is outside a, a golf's comfort zone. I, 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 we discussed this a few weeks ago, and I said, "Look, I would choose a Volkswagen, but I'd, I'd choose the Transporter simply because Volkswagen is a, glo- is a global car company, and I'm sure that you found no issues in terms of getting parts or service if you needed it. That would have been in uh-huh. any, any country that you drove through. So yes, this uh, also one of the reasons why I was happy when I found this, found out this deal about the, the Volkswagen. I was thinking, okay, Volkswagen is everywhere. Uh, even if I have issue anywhere in Kuwait, Iraq, Turkey, Europe, I will easily find spare parts or someone that knows about Volkswagen. So this is the good thing. Uh, in the opposite, if I had like an American or something, maybe it will be harder to fix. But yes, as you say. Maybe getting a Tiguan or maybe getting uh, a Touareg, you know, Volkswagen, just to get more space, it will be, I, I guess, the, the, the trip will be more comfortable, you know? Yeah, yeah, very much. And I, and I, can, I can concur to an extent because I drove a Touareg about 3,500 kilometres through some pretty rough stuff in Australia to the tip of Cape York and back. Did it? No problem. Uh-huh. Uh, fantastic. Now, just finally, what um, what would you recommend to anyone who wants to uh, to do a similar trip? What's, what, what sort of things would, should they be looking out for? Uh, I will say <laughs> I will recommend to be ready 
to spend a lot of time in every borders, uh, to meet uh, people that will be very surprised. <laughs> so you need to be ready for this because you will lose very a lot of time, you know. And uh, to be a bit crazy as well because it's not easy. But uh, otherwise, I would recommend to do it <laughs> and to enjoy it, of course. Fantastic. Uh, Fantastic, Clement. Uh, yeah, patience and an adventurous spirit, I would suggest. Um, look, yeah, thank, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Um, congratulations on that uh, on that drive. Uh, it's, it's a phenomenal effort, and uh, yeah, let, let's let's uh, let's keep in touch. If you want to drive back, let me know. <laughs> sure, I will bring you to my car. Yes, but this time with a bigger one. <laughs> Fantastic, Clement Piard, uh, you, the guy who's just driven from uh, from Dubai to France. And uh, yeah, what an enjoyable, what an enjoyable experience for that. That must have been in the world of motorsport. We've got the uh, the uh, Austrian Formula One Grand Prix. We had the British straight off the back of the British Grand Prix just a week ago. Uh, phenomenal racing. I'm just going to deviate to this for a moment. Did you did you get a chance to see? I watched it live. Yeah, and I, I mean, start incredible <laughs> stuff. And and I've got to say, the safety mechanisms of these cars now. Young Chinese driver Zhou Guangyao. Had a very very big impact. Slid on his upside down on his lid um, for for a good you know ten seconds. Buried himself behind the fence. He was saying afterwards. He said uh, he knew that the car was not slowing down when it was upside down. So he just sort of you know curled his arms up and, and waited for the impact. Mm. But if it wasn't for the halo device, uh, he would he wouldn't be here anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, phenomenal race. Um, obviously, British Grand Prix. A lot of fans there. And a uh, huge crowd. They've they've missed out on fans for a while. There are 400,000 people there. And I have never, never heard a motor racing event sound like a football crowd yeah. after a goal has yeah, been yeah. scored when Lewis Hamilton sort of passed two cars at the same time. That was epic. That Phenomenal was stuff. Move, yeah. Um, yeah. So now we're moving to the, to the, uh, the Austrian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Quite the opposite. It's all the Max Verstappen events. It's the home of Red Bull this weekend. And uh, and and big accidents for both Mercedes cars. So we're waiting to find out whether those cars have been whether they're going to take part or not for the mm. rest of this weekend. So it'd be good if they end up at the back of the grid because I'd quite like to see uh, you know um, Lewis and George charging through the field. That would be uh, that would be that'd be a at good, best. Uh, yeah, yeah, probably tenth. I think maybe Hamilton will yeah. we'll start from tenth. Yeah. Um, a very tough penalty on Sergio Perez was. Uh, Exceeding track limits. Now they they made during qualifying they made him uh, take part in the next part of qualifying when the infringement happened at the last part of the Q two. Mm. So they deleted it every time in his Q three, and he's now as a result he's dropped from third to thirteenth. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't catch up on they, that. They this came morning. out late okay. last night. Oh. So, uh, yeah, Shannon, I can see your eyes rolling. <laughs> F1 it's the most exciting sport out there. But actually, I'm pulling for Lewis this year. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm pulling for him. I tell you what, if anyone can get get out of a hole, that man can. Um, and, and Mercedes, to be it's fair, it's a big yeah. Grand yes. Canyon-sized hole, though. Never turn your back, because uh, as he's digging himself out of it, um, Ferrari are just throwing sand on top of themselves and burying themselves under, and Absolutely, becoming yeah. uh, farcical, honestly, with 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 their strategy and their calls in the last couple of weeks. What's so, the root of that? Um, just bad calls behind the, behind the the wall from management. Uh, it was a it was a definite and own goal last week. It could have been a Ferrari one too last weekend with with Charles mm. Leclerc and and Carlos Sainz. I'm so happy Carlos Sainz got his first win. Absolutely, yeah. In 150 race starts, amazing stuff. What kept him? 
Um, well, he was in an uncompetitive car to start with. He was with uh, Toro Rosso back then, which is now Alfa Tori, and he's and then McLaren, um, and now he's with Ferrari, but competing against Charles Leclerc. So he ha- he, he should have won in Monaco and he should have won in Montreal. Things didn't go his way. Mm. So it's the finally- next gen we're seeing coming up, right? You're literally seeing it in real time. What's that? The next gen of racers that is coming up through the field. Oh well, this is it. These kids right now, and I still call them kids because they are, but but. Charles Leclerc, Alex Albon, um, you know they they've they've been racing karts since they were five years old. They uh, know Max, each Max other, Verstappen, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you look back at the photographs of these kids when they're you know, five, ten years old, and they're racing go karts back then. So this is uh, we're heading into a glory era, I think, of drivers. And George Russell, another. They've all come out of. It's like they've all graduated from the same class at school. Yep, basically. And yeah. they all know each other. So. That's why, and that's why George Russell. He jumped out. He looked to check on Joe Guangyao. He mm. forfeited his, uh, his own race. Got out of the car to make sure he's okay because he's been doing that his whole time. Callum Eilat, who races in in uh, GP two or F two, said he did exactly the same thing with me when we were in car. So I mm. rolled my car over. He got over and checked him out. These guys have known each other since since yeah. year dot. So yeah, I think we're in for a really good era of drivers. Well, there was, I mean, during that race, I mean, just as an example, there was a, uh, there was a moment when there were five cars competing for the same, uh, for, yep. the, for the podium spots. Five, and you five, do- five different manufacturers, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you don't see, I mean, you just don't see that. And then I mean, you've got 41-year-old Fernando Alonso who just comes <laughs> through from nowhere and, and uh, he's- Giving he's, me he's hope as a 41-year-old. Yes, waving the yeah. flag for the old guys, so he's, he's on my we side. Like, we like Alonso, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, finally, before we before we wrap up, we get on to news here from uh, from the world of Tesla uh, that they're leading the electric electric vehicle market is shrinking. Sales figures released this week by the uh, Warren Buffett backed Chinese automaker BYD has revealed that it sold get this six hundred and forty one thousand three hundred and fifty vehicles of full battery electric or plug in hybrid. Uh, in the first six months, now those figures are an increase of about three hundred and fourteen percent compared to the same period last year. BYD sold more than one hundred and thirty-four thousand vehicles in June alone. Uh, now, by comparison, Tesla sold five hundred sixty-four thousand. That against that six forty-one for the first half of twenty twenty-two. Uh, the company scrambled to to overcome a lengthy shutdown at, at various production plants. They had one in Shanghai, obviously that that closed down for a while other supply chain related issues as well. Elon Musk said back in May that he expected very strong companies to emerge from China to provide stiff competition for Tesla in the electric vehicle sector in the years ahead. However, um, he uh, he was dismissive in a 2011 interview when asked about BYD's product. Literally, he literally laughed at the idea that it would uh, pose competition. Well, I guess who's laughing now? It's uh, <laughs> it's it, the tide the tide is turning, but but it shows too that that the legacy manufacturers need they they can't look within anymore they've got to look at not just tesla as being the outsider but the chinese Absolutely, manufacturers yeah, yeah. because they are kicking massive goals in the ev market yeah. we've well, got to look at the chinese market alone because it's yeah. there's just so many people there that even if you just sell into the chinese market you'll outsell most of the other manufacturers globally oh huge uh, I, I was at the shanghai motor show in 2019 and uh, I spent two days just in one wing of the show. One wing is the size of the Dubai show. And uh, and I spent two days there in one wing looking at cars that are not sold outside of China, yep. but complete manufacturers. Brands you've never heard of and all sorts of things. Yeah. Not, yeah. Not, not in the English language, in, in Mandarin characters. Yep. You know? um, so, yeah, 
got to uh, got it. Got we've it. come such a long way. Like if you remember, I think all of us were at motor shows about oh, about ten years ago, and the Chinese brands were just making their appearance, and some of them were quite hilarious in their choices. For example, there was a massive stretch limo with, I believe. A 1.5 liter engine, massive, tiny engine, and, yeah. a, and a manual gearbox. Can you imagine how unluxurious it was, <laughs> chunking <laughs> gears through traffic while the VIP in the back rolls around trying to stay upright? But now look at these cars. Look at these cars. How far they've come, and the Neo brand, the BYD. They're doing some really cool stuff. Well, mm. you look at the, you know, you, and and you look at the what the Europeans and the Americans, the Europeans are doing with electric vehicles. And they've got to be careful, you know. At the moment, I mean, there's a lot of marketing hype around Mercedes and the EQC and BMW and uh, and, and Audi. And I've yet to see one. I have yet to see one on the road. Not being here. driven by employee. And I have to say as well, I've that never I've, seen them on press. I'm cards, not seeing the innovation as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm seeing the Germans. I'm seeing the Americans. The Americans actually do some cool stuff. GM with the Altium, especially Ford with the Lightning. But the Europeans are playing catch up. Hmm. If we're talking about race here, they're playing catch up, and I'm not seeing yeah. anything that's like beyond saying, "Okay, we're Mercedes, but we're now electric. We're BMW, we're now electric." Beyond that, where's the surprise and delight? Where's the Rivians? Where's the Teslas? You know, where's the stuff that makes people go, "I want to buy this car"? And it's the ownership experience too. It's no uh, the, the 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 idea of going into a dealership. That's all. That model is also changing as well because you're competing away. with these with these other guys as people well. People want to so. book online. People want to collect yeah. the car. They know what car they're buying. They don't want to drive it. Because it kind of doesn't matter because you know what you're getting as long as the reviews are good. Yeah, but it's not like old cars where there were significant differences. Absolutely. Well, look, thank you very much, gentlemen. It's been a pleasure. Um, we're going to continue this EV chat in the next show. We'll be back on the 23rd of July. And uh, so if you've got any questions about buying an EV, because we've got uh, an A to Z guide next time on buying an electric vehicle, we'll be joined by Kevin Shaloub of the EV Lab. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you, Noel Ebden, in no Shanjado, Eden Mubarak, uh, planned holidays. Are you guys going to run away anywhere for a few days? or No, I'm here. I think I'm going to Saudi next week, uh, driving up there. Fantastic. Oh, it's driving holidays. I yes. am the week after this. I am heading to Salala. Wish Fantastic. me luck. <laughs> Excellent. We will indeed. That's it all for Motormania, and we'll see you on the 23rd of July. Bye for now.